0: This episode of 12-pack radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone service as chosen by U.S. News and World Report and everybody on the world. Everybody. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more. All for a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make calls. Great calls. Every freaking day. Visit nextdeva.com forward slash twelve pack, nexttiva.com forward slash one two PAC to get started today. Oh South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world famous two time chips and feel the power.
1: It's a new game, yes it is. For twelve pack radio get excited y'all
0: welcome back everyone to 12-pack radio your podcast source for pac-12 football news the home of the Bader rank college football statistical model in your home for pac-12 gambling advice with william hills max meyer and the home of the pac-12's next commissioner mr rob baron what's going on rob how are you <laughs> i'm
1: i'm happy to accept this position and Try to dig us all out of a hole.
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> now, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, this is Twelve Pack Radio. Of course, we're going to continue to cover Pac-12 football news throughout the off season. Thanks again to our friends at Nextiva. We are live from the Nextiva studios, where clothing is optional, and uh, a lot of a lot of news stories here. You know, one one of the things when we were, we were talking with Nextiva about like continuing to go through the off season, uh, Rob, there was this moment where i'm like ah is there going to be a lot to talk about and then you know uh andy avalos goes to boise state and washington's uh, defensive coordinator ends up going to texas and larry scott is uh fired as commissioner it's been or, or resigned or however you know whatever they want to say about it he's gone um so there's a lot to talk about we also have transfer news a lot a lot of stuff to go through here and if uh, this is your first time following us you can uh, follow us on twitter at 12 pack radio one two pac radio and uh, a lot of stuff at sharp college football here um you know, you want to throw that out immediately, Rob, rather than wait till the end? I
1: mean, yeah, we've got the season wrapped up so you can go check out, uh, you know, all of that that data there. Um, we're looking to see the uh, returning production numbers that we use at Sharp College Football, which are Bill Connolly's returning production numbers. Um, those should be coming out shortly. He was tweeting out today. Um, and then we'll just wait on the uh, recruiting. Um, coming down the the recruiting at the end of february in the meantime i'm going to try to put together some uh videos uh just kind of getting deep dive on the beta rank metrics themselves and what goes into them you know so stay tuned for that
0: yeah and i'm going to start uh doing a little bit more writing here so very excited about that um with a piece on steve sarkeesian and what he brings to texas and just how holy moses that offense was uh was just insane we should do a whole show just about like um how crazy the shift has been uh, on the offensive front. Not in the Pac-12, not in the Pac-12, but uh, with a lot of the other teams that are just continuously vying for uh, the national title, uh, you know, and they have aspirations on that front, what they've been able to do. And if the Pac-12 can adopt some of that stuff, but that is neither here nor there. Um, Let's get right into this, Rob. Uh, I I guess, look, I I don't want to, you know, it's kind of like, you know, now you don't have Dick Nixon to kick around anymore. Like, you know, (laughs) don't want to kick Larry Scott uh, too hard on the way out, but that that really is the news that we should lead with. Uh, Larry Scott is out as the commissioner of the Pac-12, and um, first of all, Rob, were you surprised when uh, the news came? Uh, I mean, I was, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I guess I, I was a little bit. I mean, he held on for so long, right? Like the, it's not like, you know, it, it seemed like it was, you know, there was any imminent rumblings of it. Uh, but I do, I mean, the, the PAC 12 is coming up on a new TV contract negotiation. Um, and I, it definitely felt like a, a, a an appropriate time to, to seek a new, uh, some new leadership for that in particular.
0: Once the news came out that the Pac-12 was putting all their games not on the Pac-12 network. And I'm sure, like, look, I'm not in the negotiations. I'm not buried in the TV contracts. I'm sure there was a lot of thought that went into that decision. At the same time, it kind of put some a little bit of writing on the wall where it's like, right, we built this whole network and we're not going to put our premier um, <laughs> premier prize on it, even though most people like still aren't able to access it. I, I don't know. I just thought that kind of might have spelled out the, the beginning of the end, but it came a lot sooner than I did. Um I mean obviously like look the we do get a lot of uh, tweets and emails and stuff about Larry Scott and what I don't want to do is is to have the show like just continuously dump on Scott and not focus on the Xs and Os and stuff but at the same time he has had a, uh, a substantial and I would argue fairly negative impact on the conference in the last couple of years uh, in particular uh so let's not dwell a ton on that but if there's any grievances that you want to air you know and then the uh, with the poll and festivus here rob uh, feel free to use it um but i do think one of the things that we were talking about before we started recording is kind of looking forward to um what what a good hire would look like and some of the things that need to get done so uh the world's your oyster What, what do you think here
1: i mean i tend to i mean some of the the you know statements i've seen out there that i think are you know perhaps right is that to to a more conventional hire in a lot of ways than Scott was. I mean, Scott had um, come over from women's tennis. He had negotiated, you know, that, that TV deal for them, um, which was at the time for the WCA was a really big deal. Um, you know, the PAC 12, because of the length of the deal that Scott and the president signed last time around, which is a 12 year deal. Um, it basically left them out of getting price to market on PAC 12 inventory over the last you know, decade. Um, and so what looked like a, a huge deal at the time because they did, they did get more money right up front um, for signing such a long deal, but of course it kept them from coming back in, uh, you know, and 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 catching the wave of, you know, rising TV revenues, uh, you know, so they're for their content. So now the, with the new boss coming in, I'd like to see somebody with some more college sports experience, uh, you know, around there in particular college football, <clears throat> you know, I, I do think that the conference needs somebody um, they can help also push in prod, what have uh, in some ways been some stodgy and uh, I would also argue some in some ways like some backward-looking institutions. And I would I would point I think Mike Bone is uh, a solid hire for USC and um, you know they finally got outside of the USC bubble to hire someone um, and hired an experienced college administrator, but. Uh, you know, I think that there's uh, a real opportunity to, to poke and prod the LA schools who have, have kind of been asleep for a decade, <laughs> you know, like, but the, the commissioner needs to do that. Right. I mean, the commissioner needs to find ways to, um, to, to, to push schools to be, I mean, I, I think if there's one school right now that we look out there that is, you know, consistently trying, I mean, and I think with, you know, bone in place and, and, and some of the you know resources that have been put at Clay Helton's disposal, he's made some good decisions, uh, with those resources and hires, but Oregon feels like in a lot of ways, like going out and getting more head. Um, you know, some of the hires that you know Oregon has made, I I, I feel like they're, they're at times they it feels like they're the only ones trying really really hard in the conference. Um, you know, to compete at and and some of it you could say is you know Mario Cristobal's experience at Alabama in the SEC, but almost competing like an SEC school. Um, and they're going ha- to, I think the conference is going to have to get a little bit of a wake up call in a lot of cases, um, you know, to do that and, and start to drive towards maximizing revenues, um, you know, not only at the conference level with the TV, but also, you know, the individual schools themselves, you know, at home and amongst donors, you know, the, 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 the conference itself needs leadership. It can't have, um, you know, somebody that's, uh, I think is just going to kind of accept the status quo. Um, and and you know not poker prod anybody along
0: no I totally agree with you I think there's a couple of good examples of that in the SEC the first being uh, when when the SEC really started to separate itself from the majority of the other conferences and, and they just had piles of piles of money coming in and then they had these just really bad contracts for coaches that that really weren't great and um, the SEC basketball you know, scene was just really really sad it was Kentucky and sometimes Florida and nobody else and then who I forget whoever the um the commissioner were there would be basically like all right stop it
1: Mike's live, yeah. yeah.
0: We have so much freaking money. Go out, be creative, do something, and like, ra- like, just stop sucking at basketball. And that's when you saw like the Ben Hallen hire, and like, you know, now some of these haven't worked out. Avery Johnson at Alabama, uh, but, but at least like they were moving to try to do that. You have a uh, um, uh, Nate Oates now over at Arkansas, which this is a little bit later down the road, but there was clearly this con- this very focused effort to bring up basketball. They also did that with softball. Like, remember, if you recall, like Pac twelve own softball forever and then all of a sudden the SEC is like hey we can kind of do this and then you started to see the programs building there too and that's leadership that was legitimately the conference like the the conference going in and saying hey we as a unit need to go do this so let's do it the other thing too is like just you know keeping keeping all the piss in the tent (laughs) In the SEC, uh, if you listen to the now defunct podcast "Ain't Play Nobody," they did talk a lot about the creative ways in which the SEC would bring football players to their campus and commit to the universities, um, and how they kept a lot of that uh, those details in house, and um, just the SEC being able to um, kind of just build build a wall around their schools, and and you know any disputes they have uh, happen indoors. Um, on their own premises rather than in the media and it seems like that has been the case for a long time. obviously like, there's a lot of sniping and all that stuff but uh, you're right I just the leadership there is significantly stronger than the leadership we've seen in um, <laughs> on the west coast and then, and then you also just, There's a lot of schools that are that are trying. They're trying their darndest. But the schools that should be able to have the money and the resources to go and actually put together a premier program, uh, getting a little kick in the ass from uh, the conference itself, I think would do some good. So yeah, yeah. Any any other big changes you'd like to see uh, in whoever they end up bringing on board?
1: No, I mean the the name that I think I got most excited about is probably Oliver Luck. Um, You know, the former AD at West Virginia, former executive with the XFL. Um, you know, has a lot of experience around football in particular, um, understands college athletics and I think, uh, you know, also understands, you know, the TV landscape. Uh, so hopefully he's, you know, on the short list. I'm a little less uh, pumped about like Greg Byrne or um, you know some of the other names that have been kicked around.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who they end up going with. I just I think Greg burns off the table with all the mess that's happened at the University of Arizona. You know, maybe they hire him anyway, but I feel like that um he's going to have a lot of explaining to do to get the job um after what he left and it wasn't just at the basketball program. It was the football program, there was sexual assault in the um uh, in the swimming program, the track and field program. I mean, the, it was it, it was extensive. So, um be interesting to see if he actually is a candidate. With that said, like he there, there was a vision to Arizona athletics outside of uh, of all the stuff behind uh, the scenes. And, and certainly being the AD at Alabama, um, it, you know, puts a nice feather in your cap. But I do think that it's more of an uphill climb with him. Um, you know, like, I, I guess a question for you, Rob, outside of football is, where is the focus elsewhere? You know, I do think that Pac-12 basketball was a thing for a long time and they it seems like the conference has slid also um outside of uh you know, Oregon, Arizona, uh, and then sometimes there's another school that will like play okay and get to the tournament. But like, I mean, really, it, it is kind of difficult to see um to, to watch the conference play basketball, frankly, the <laughs> last couple uh last five oh, years it's, really. I mean they unwatchable that, at times. Yeah, there's that one year where like Washington won the conference and didn't get a bid to the tournament. I mean, it's been pretty bad. So I don't know any 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 way that we could build up the conference uh, in basketball because it used to be awesome. It was it was interesting. I was going back and, and watching the 97 uh NCAA tournament and there was like I think there was 8 because you know, people always say, oh, Arizona was, a you know, f- placed fifth in the conference. You know, that conference was freaking awesome. You had, U- like, Utah was, who ended up upsetting Arizona the, the lead eight the next year. That team was legit. You had an awesome UCLA team. Stanford was amazing. Um, th- there was, like, I think four teams in the lead eight and six teams in the Sweet 16. And, and like, I, I just, man, I miss those days. Is there anything uh, that, that a commissioner can do to kind of bring some structure to the basketball side?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I really think in fact if and we, we we are we do enjoy basketball, Brian and I, but we we are football football first and second probably.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> um you know, I, I think if you look at the Pac twelve conference and I, I think that there's a lot of focus on the failure of the Pac twelve in football to, you know, really deliver and compete at a national level, really since uh, you know, you could argue you know, like Oregon made it to that final in the playoff. And, um, you know, it was really competitive in that game. I mean, Washington, of course, you know, was, was good in 2016. Um, but I, I, you know, as far back as you, like you have to go back to USC for the last time a Pac-12 football team won the national title. Last time a Pac-12 basketball team won a title was, was Arizona. That was like 25 <laughs> been, years ago. I know, I know, I know. Like <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get. Like uh, the, the whole that Pac-12 basketball... Finds themselves in finds themselves in is actually substantially larger, um, you know, than I think Pac-12 football. And I, I I think when you look across the landscape right now of you know the schools that really care about basketball, I mean I, I think Washington is one of those you know uh, athletic departments. They really do care about every sport um, and and aim to be competitive. But the Hopkins hire is flaming out. Krystow uh, Krystowiac is is you know, there's a really, lot of
0: grumblings there, and there's Lake a right
1: lot of grumbling in Salt he Lake. Makes and a that's lot what, of money, I know, and that, but that is a like that Utah program is a program that really has a lot of pride and care that you know those fans care about Utah basketball. Um, I know since they've come into the Pac 12, they've really been you know known for what Whittingham's built in football, but I mean, I grew up in Wyoming in the old whack. I mean, like, you the, the Utes under Majeris were a force nationally, um, and and you know, even before that, so. I you know if you look across right now like the a lot of the programs that you would think could help sort of carry the torch or care about basketball I mean like Arizona's in legitimate hot water we'll see you know what comes out of this new NCAA you know well I guess you could think of it as like outside the NCAA like independent committee that's going to be handling all of the major infractions that have been associated with the FBI case you know like I I think that there's there's a you know as much as we talk about like that there needs to be some some focus and emphasis like I mean, Mick Cronin was a, was a fine hire, but like, I mean, for your, you know, your flagship program, like one of your flagship program, I mean, UCLA and pure titles, you could argue was the flagship program, or, you know, is the flagship program of the Pac-12 in basketball. And, you know, Cronin might do fine. He's just, it was a bit of an underwhelming hire. Miller at, at Arizona, you know, and we've talked about that. I mean, you know, we talk about this because, you know, we're both Arizona alums, but it's not. You, know, you just you feel like he he hit a ceiling a couple of years ago um and he hasn't been close to what his ceiling was since um you know and i i just i look around at the basketball level in the conference and i mean i uh, the Pac-12 isn't even as good as anywhere near as good as the Big East or you know a lot of other conferences so i i think there really has to be some substantial focus on basketball as well like you need you need an administrator that is going to Work to provide, you know, and a new TV contract should provide significant additional resources to the schools. But as you talked about with Mike's live, um, that comes back and says, like, we got to see results because if we get results, we will get more money rolling
0: in. Yeah. And like, you know, outside of Altman, really, I mean, like, or I think Oregon's carrying the Pac-12 right now. And and that's that's bad for the conference. And now obviously what Cronin has done at UCLA in his first like year now like props to tip that hat because I thought he did a really good job. I, I do think it speaks of the conference when, you know, Mick Cronin was UCLA's what third or fourth option. Like the fact that teams were passing on UCLA, like and coaches were passing on UCLA, I think kind of highlights where the conference is, right? That that should be the premier program in the conference. Um, Maybe it is. Maybe he brings that back. But when you have, you know, Arizona underperforming with a lot of talent uh, with Sean Miller there, you have USC underperforming with the talent. Um, You have uh, Utah and Colorado kind of taking steps back. I know Colorado's had an okay year this year um, and will likely make the tournament. But um, it just seems like the Boyle era there is there's a there's a ceiling on that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if there's a new wave of coaches that come in similar to what happened a few years ago um, in the Pac-12 football. Now, a lot of those guys got washed out. Jim Mora, Rich Rodriguez, uh, um, Todd Graham at, at uh, ASU. But um, I just think I think there needs to be um, kind of a new regime coming in um, and j- just making Pac-12 basketball better because it is one of the revenue sports. That's one of the things. Like if, you're, if your program is good at basketball, you're going to get that sweet, sweet money. So that sweet tournament money, <laughs> it's not like the football money, but it is able to at least sustain a lot of the, uh, the other smaller sports. So, um, any other, any other comments on, on Larry Scott for now? I'm sure like we can continue the conversation if, if we think of a lot of other things, but anything else come to mind right now?
1: No, no. I mean, I just, uh, I mean, I, they're, they're at, we've all talked about ad nauseum over the years, you know, the, the, the failings, you know, of Larry Scott, but I also like, I want to hit on, I mean, Larry Scott, is there as the face of the president's right. Like, and it, you know, it is your school's president um, that is responsible for pushing, you know, the conference forward. And so like the, um, you know, like we all like to bash Larry Scott, but like there were, you know, the there was, a, there were, there were 12 people um, who hired him and empowered him and left him in his role. Right. Like in the same way that I think Goodell sometimes takes a lot of heat publicly, like that's by design, he's there to take the heat for the other 32, you know, the 32 owners that don't want to be taking heat, right? <laughs> so, I mean, Larry Scott was uh, in a lot of ways the figurehead of it, but like, you know, some of the policy really came, comes out of the, the, the conference president, some of whom, like Michael Crow at ASU, who are, you know, the biggest Scott backers are, are still around. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that there's some new leadership in the conference there as well, that Crow, uh, you know, maybe takes a little bit of a step back.
0: Yeah, the Oregon State AD was also one of the big backers of Scott, so just... Two things they have a new th-
1: president, so, like, uh,
0: yeah. Oh, good call. Um, two things on the basketball front. Don't want to leave out Stanford is uh, building a little bit something over there, which is kind of exciting to see. And then Washington State um, actually playing really well uh, for, you know, given the talent that's there and uh, the coach that they hired from San Francisco uh, could really bring a little bit of a spark on that front. So, uh, anyway, just didn't want to leave them out. I also realized that Cal was really good in 97, too. So, don't worry. I saw you guys, Cal. I saw Cal. And that was without Jason Kidd. They were still really good. All right, let's move on. Let- actually, let's take a quick break. Um, And then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the two big uh, one hiring and one uh, uh, school that needs to hire a defensive coordinator. We'll do it right after this. All right, we're back. And two pieces of big news coming out of the Pac-12 coaching world in this last week, and let's start with Washington. Sometimes we start with Oregon, want to give Washington the same amount of love here, and that is defensive coordinator Pete Kwiatowski has been sucked up to go join uh, Steve Sarkeesian as the defensive coordinator of Texas, and that leaves a big hole in uh, in Seattle, Rob, uh, You know, a program that's really known for its defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kwiatowski's been one of the um, – you know, best defensive coordinators in college football um, over the last couple of years. And, you know, even with, <clears throat> I think, having Jimmy Lake there, that gives you some confidence, right? Like he had the, the you know, the one year, you know, calling plays and, and Washington's defense was very good uh, that year with Lake. Um, but, you know, Kwiatkowski has, you know, you can really think of as the architect of that defense. You know, it's 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 never a plus to lose, a, a you know, an excellent play caller like him. Um, you know, it, it, it's a big move by Texas, you know, to, to go ahead and go out and get him. But, you know, I, I think if you're Washington, this, this definitely gives you, and I also should say, like, I thought when Jimmy Lake got hired for this head coaching job, I thought Kwiatkowski might be more willing to listen <laughs> out there. Right. I mean, he was kind of Pete's guy, um, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, with Lake there as the head coach, like, I, I thought he might be you know, more open and uh I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, he was only gonna move for a very big job, you know, from a from a school like Washington. So I thought with, you know, with this, like it does leave you if you're Washington, like, you know, there there are coaches that do continue to call plays and and and, you know, often more on the offensive side of the ball, but um, continue to call plays and, and run a particular unit. And that can really work. Um, you know, for Lake, um, I think he is looking to hire you know a DC that will be a play caller, and he can focus on head coaching. Um, you know, so then if that's the case, like, you know, is that going to work? You, you know, you feel confident like Lake could always step in, but uh, like I said, like I think it's still a still a big loss for the for the Huskies to have Kwiatkowski, you know, move along.
0: This has to be like a top three job opening in the conference, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you were gonna, you know, the the big three, you know, for, for our, our USC, Oregon, and you know washington um you know in the conference right now so like those there and there's washington i mean they're not paying like sec type money of course but you know the the you know they'll likely you know want to be able to, and they may feel confident with lake there that they don't have to go out and spend you know seven figures on a dc but the rate the going rate for top defensive coordinators i mean they're It's the era of big offense, but there are more good offensive minds or great offensive minds, if you will, than great defensive minds. So, I mean, guys like Dave Aranda, you know, like when they were on the mark, you know, where they were out there were like some of the top paid or like, I think Aranda was like the top paid coach in college football. Maybe other than assistant, other than maybe Venables at at Clemson for Washington, because Lake's there, they likely don't have to go out and spend that kind of money. Um, but I think it's going to say a lot. I mean, like we were a little underwhelmed, Washington fans, I think were a little underwhelmed with the higher, um, John, Donovan. you know, of Donovan. Yeah. On the offensive side of the ball, I think Washington fans are like, uh, I mean, Lake, you know, he's, uh, even though this may not be a, a hire that he's really, you know, because his, his strength is the defensive side of the ball. It may not one to be one that he will you know, has to nail, but like, I guess I just kind of feel like for momentum with the Huskies coming into the year and the fan base, like I feel like they kind of need to get somebody.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it, I I don't know. Like, you know, it's, I'm a little torn, right? Because of the first, on the first sense, it's like, if you want to compete, not just in the PAC 12, but like, we were just talking about how the conference hasn't won the national title on the basketball front. I mean, like, Washington was the last school to get to the the playoffs, but like it wasn't really that close <laughs> when they were there. Yeah. And like, and it kind of reminds me of Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame has been in the playoff twice, and both times it's like, well, I guess Notre Dame made it. Like, you know, I'm not even going to watch that. Like, I watched probably about like the first quarter of it, and I'm like, I'm out. Like, I get it. They're they're just not good enough to hang. Um, and uh, and Washington, like I we like the conference really needs to get them up to a level where they're not just competing for the PAC 12 title, but like competing for a legitimate spot in the college football playoff. And in order to do that, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to make a ginormous hire at at the defensive coordinator. But like when you, when you do see like the type of people that USC was going after and that they didn't land all of them, but the fact that they were going after Aranda and almost had him, um, the fact that Oregon went for Moorhead and then, um, we'll talk about the defensive coordinator. They haven't fairly soon. And I thought that was a good hire. Um, you know, well, I my mind is open, and I'm like, I think I think Jimmy Lake will make a good decision. It just depends on how much money it's going to be, and um, I I'm more concerned about the offensive side than the defensive side of the ball. So yeah, I know. I guess I, I don't know, I'm kind of like thinking out loud, but I'm a little torn between: do they need, really need to go out and spend three million dollars a year on a defensive coordinator when Jimmy Lake's there, um, just to show that they're willing to go to war, or um or or can they spend that elsewhere? But like, it, it's not like Lake is really. Sh- shaken the program up a ton since he's been there and yeah know, that a little worrisome i guess
1: i mean i like i gotta say like i'm i'm interested to see too i mean, like i uh you know i i, I know for the most part who oregon interviewed for their job they had some really good names in there right i'm interested to see like who's washington interviewing for this job right i mean like oregon went out and landed i mean morehead washington went out and landed donovan you know, who's, who's Washington even, you know, who's, if Jimmy Lake's opening up his Rolodex, like who's on it, who can he get to come interview for the job? Um, I think that is interesting and telling and like, and we were talking about this, uh, you know, for the podcast, you know, like Washington, that Washington team that made the playoff, like they made the playoff in the year before, like what we, like I refer to as the era of big offense, like in capital letters really kicked off in college football. Um, and so like that Washington team, um, that Bama team, right. You know, like there was less distance, you know, that Bama team I think was number one in beta rank that year. Um, there's, you know, if that Washington team in 2016, had had to play like LSU or this year's Bama team, it would have, it would not have been close at all. And so the distance between like what the top, the very top teams in college football are now doing, even though we're only talking about a couple of years ago um, and what, you know, PAC 12 teams have even fallen back from that 2016 level, um, has only gotten wider. Right. And and that's where like, I, I, I thought Oregon's move with Moorhead was more of like a, yeah, we're, we, we, we understand where college football really is going um, offensively for Washington. Like this has been the bread and butter of the team, right? Since Jonathan Smith left, it's been a defense. I mean, it's pretty much been defense only. So they've, they, you know, you have, like I said, you have confidence with Lake, but you know, if he really wants to be able to focus on being the head coach and not have to also be the defensive play caller, like he's probably going to have to spend some money or nail the. I mean, like you can spending spending money doesn't mean you're going to get a rate higher, but yeah. it certainly makes it easier. <laughs> and the uh, the same. But like or he's just got to nail it. Right. Like he's got to nail it on a budget if he's not going to do that.
0: Yeah. I, the, Washington has a lot going for it. Right. Be a beautiful city. Um, you have a, an identity. You have an enthusiastic coach. Um, you have great players. They're doing a great job recruiting in Washington. So, so there's the base is there. It's just who you know who's he going to get? I think he can be more flexible on the defense um, than than on the offense. That's I guess that's kind of why I was so bummed out by the the Washington hire. Like when you see some of the stuff now. I know Steve Sarkeesian and I'm going to write an article about this, but like. You know, I know Starkeesian is kind of like one of the best in, in college football right now, the best offensive coordinators. But when you see the creativity that Alabama has, given the fact that Alabama could probably just run it down your throat, <laughs> uh, you know, like now I know it was a different offensive line this year, but like given the amount of talent that they have, like – they have an excuse to be more vanilla and they're not. And like and th- and what you get with that is holy Moses, the 2012 <laughs> Alabama football team. Now, I don't think Washington can get to there, but like, you know, it's it's trying to find people that are creative and and are going to be at the forefront of of uh, whether it's uh, defensive play calling or offense. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see yeah. what Lake has had, but like there is the foundation there. So, I like I really really want Washington to be good. Like I think sometimes our yeah. Washington fans are like, "Oh, you guys hate on the program." It's like, "No, the expectations should be high because like that program could be so much more.
1: Yeah. I don't know that. I mean, and I, I, I really do think that there should be like in the same way that there should be high expectations for them. Right. And, um, you know, and we, we definitely have uh, had some, had our criticisms. We have not criticized the Washington defense no. <laughs> for the most part. Right. I mean, like our criticisms have been leveled at Pete's, you know, hiring, a, you know, Bush Hamden and, and it not working we didn't love the Donovan hire, but I don't think we were different than a lot of the Washington fan base on that. Um, you know, and a lot of the folks that cover Washington with that, um, you know, but I, I do think too, that if you're Washington, I think Washington, you could say under, uh, under, uh, you know, under Pete and you know, the, the, they, they had a little bit of like an old PAC 12 mentality in a lot of ways, or a Pac, I mean, in some ways you could argue like a little bit of a PAC 10 mentality, um, and you know, some of the way they went about things and Lake has shaking. and I do want to give credit. I think Lake has shaken that up a little bit. I think their social media game has been up. Um, I think they're doing a better job, you know, in selling the program, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think when you look at what Cristobal has done, uh, at, at Oregon with his hires and how aggressive he's been and, and, you know, you definitely don't feel like there's any shortage of budget running around in Eugene. Um, and I think with, you know, uh, you know, Mike Bone putting more resources, you know, into the USC program and some of the hires that I think Clay Helton has made. Even though I still don't know that he, that's going to get them across the finish line, they've certainly upped their game. Um, you know, Jimmy Lake, we got to see it, right? Like we've got to see, we got to see some wow hires. Like Dante, like you know, USC getting Dante Williams from Oregon was a little bit of a wow hire that you knew was going to pay dividends in recruiting, and it really has. Again, as we saw this week with USC getting a top five player. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the kind of thing I think like I, we need to, like, I don't, I'm not like, the, if you're a Washington fan, you may feel we're being unfair, but like, you've got to hold Jimmy Lake to that, that standard because the conference needs, you know, the conference can't have Washington not pulling their weight in the same way we talk about, like, in, you know, we talked about in basketball, like Arizona has got to pull their weight. UCLA has got to pull their weight because you're one of the traditional powers.
0: Yeah. You don't want to be Washington light or like Arizona light right yeah. now, where it's just, Um, you know, they're going to flame out in the second round or the Sweet 16 where, like, you really need somebody to be the standard bearer. And and if you're part of that school, that's what you expect. I mean, there's a reason we don't pick on U.S. Like, UCLA should be a program that has a gazillion dollars and, like, they're in Westwood and should be able to recruit. But, like, they don't have the success that washington has which is why we pick <laughs> pick on washington more to be able to kind of get up to where where they can be i mean it's a team that um has a national title under their belt and stuff so um okay well hey let, let's move from washington to oregon and um oregon rob made a defensive coordinator hire and uh, it was it, i thought it was a good one what do you think
1: yeah i agree i really like this hire i thought de Reuter was a name i mean i was surprised when um cal promoted sermon and i realized like you know, Sermon and Wilcox are like separated at birth twins. Like they, they, they speak in, they speak in twin language to each other. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're close. So I get, you know, that I get the, you know, the, the promotion of Sermon there from that sense, you know, like you want to have your guy, Wilcox, you know, obviously is, is you know going to be, you know, implementing the scheme on defense regardless. Um, but De to a great defensive mind. I mean, he did a terrific job as the DC at air force, um, then he went to Am he did a really good job there um, I think he's he's been a real big part of what they have put together at Cal um, you know defensively and so I, I, I and I know that I mean like Oregon um, you know talked to talked talk to Zach Arnett uh, Mississippi state defensive coordinator who's become a little bit of a hot name um, you know there was you know rumors that they had talked to tosh Lepoy um, you know and and you know, some other potential name, you know, some, some good names are, are around college football to, you know, that you, you really like, um, the list they put together. Apparently DeReuter came in and, and, and the interviews and, um, they really liked what they heard. So I, 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 like it. I think, I think it's a, I think it's a good hire. I think DeReuter has, you know, excellent acumen out there and it's, you know, like I said, like it's tough. There's not, there's not, a you know, a million great defensive coordinators running around out there. I don't know that DeReuter, you know, like, it's not like Oregon just went out and hired Brent Venables. Yeah. Um, but they did make they did make a very good hire, I think, with DeReuter. And, and and one that I think is, I mean, we, we talked about this, you know, like, how do we feel about the Oregon defense when we kind of feel like they underwhelmed a bit this year? Oh, kind um, of. You know. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh God, we even, we were with, so even excited. with Avalos. Yeah. Um, you know, and so. I mean, it, it gave me a little bit of like, well, what do I make of Andy Avalos? You know, like year one, great year two. Okay. Um, you know, for, so I think De Reuter is, um, you know, I, I don't feel like it's like, Oh, you know, you lost Andy Avalos. Like, Whoa, is me. I mean, it's not like what I say is like, it's not like losing Quietowski, who is, I think is a clearly established name, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, you could argue is a top five DC in college football. I do think with, um, you know, with, uh, you know, with Oregon, it's, it, you know, this has the opportunity to perhaps be an upgrade. So, I mean, I think it's a good hire for the ducks
0: and, and, and credit to Cal, right. This was a good hire by Cal when it happened too. I think when it, when it popped out, that one was one that like really jumped to mind on my end. Like, wow. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, and, and credit, like, you know, credit to Cal and Wilcox Wilcox has, um, kind of similar to like what we were talking about at Washington. We're like, there is a, uh, uh, there's a culture at Cal, now, whether or not they can hold on to that culture, you know, this coming year, I think is is a big question. But um, when you think of Cal, you think defense. You think of you know being able to pull in those three star players um, that maybe were a little bit off the radar and like coach them up over a couple of years, and now they're stars. Like they're, that, that's all over or has in the past been all over the field for Cal, um, whether or not they're able to continue that without DeReuter, I think is, uh, you know, that's a big question mark going into next year. And it's something I'll be really interested to see because we thought there was going to be a drop off this year with Cal, with their defense. And, um, and there was there was, but like it, that, it's so hard to look at ASU and Cal are like the two teams where it's really difficult. No to, yeah, to take a look at and say okay, like what what was that? Um, just because of COVID and all the the you know uh, cancellations and stuff that they had. So, um, anyway, that that's I think one of the more intriguing stories moving into twenty twenty one. Man, but just like looking at that Oregon defense, the thing that just struck me so much was the defensive line, like. I mean, they basically returned almost everybody, um, and they had players behind them, and it just was it wasn't that great. And um, so yeah, well, interesting to see how Avalos uh, is able. It's a lot easier in Boise. It seems like everybody does well in Boise, and then they they leave, and then you know, uh, it's a a mixed mixed bag of nuts when it comes to the defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators there. Um, I don't know any uh, anything else here on, on Oregon.
1: No, I mean, so they. Um their safeties coach Hayward just went to Cal oddly enough. (laughs) Um, So Oregon's in the market, uh, you know, for a safeties coach. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, 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 like I, I mean, this, we talked about this, right. I mean, mean, Cal, I think if the offense can get going, can, can, you know, certainly make it interesting in the North, but um, you know, with uh, you know, the reestablishment of Washington and then, you know, the bounce back from the, you know, the, um, you know, Helfrich Taggart, Taggart combo era at Oregon, you know, I really do feel like it's, you know, you, you feel like it's an arms race right between Oregon and Washington. You, you feel like they're eyeing each other on the hires and what they're doing. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to watch this, you know, as we come into this next year.
0: We'll keep an eye on some of the other small, not smaller, but like the position coaches, because um, that that can be really important too. Particularly on the offensive line, I think that's the one where it kind of shines through. I know that um, ASU just hired a linebackers coach. We can probably get into that a little bit later. I'm I'm curious when it comes to the safeties coaches. Marcel Yates still there? I thought he was coaching the safeties at Cal. Uh,
1: he is, I believe. I mean, like they uh, they may like they definitely had a position open. Um, and so, hey, you know, somebody could move around. I mean, Yates at Arizona, I think coached everything except defensive line. Although with uh, when they had Ugelele there, he also reportedly coached defensive line because Ugelele wasn't doing much. of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, So Yates, you know, they, they you know, they may, uh, you know, plug him around, you know, and shuffle him.
0: Okay. Well, hey, let's get to, we have some transfer transfer news all in the Pac-12 South. Now, um, let's only do a couple teams here. Which teams are we going to talk about? Because I think one of the interesting things has been a lot of teams have really hit the transfer market hard. It's kind of like free agency right now. So some really interesting teams to look over and we'll do it right after this. All right, we're back, and we're talking transfer portal. Keeping an eye on this. Keeping an eye on this. Um, have a running sheet right now of uh, players that have left the program, of players that have come into the program. And let's start with Utah, because I thought Utah had a really interesting... I mean, the, the first of all, like obviously the uh, the death of Ty Jordan uh, and at the running back position, uh, not only was he just a big part of the program in general, he was also an amazing player as a true freshman just running around there. Um, and um, and because he was so good, you had a number of players depart. So when you took a look at Utah, I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Jordan Wilmore, who I liked, um, ended up bouncing to Fresno State. Devin Brumfield, whom I also liked, ended up going to Tulane. TJ Green to Liberty. So the three guys that were behind behind um uh, ty jordan ended up transferring so i was like okay well uh, now what are we going to do here and of course utah um just because they're utah went out and, and uh, got some really solid transfers here so uh, let's start with the running backs here tj pledger a four-star junior from uh oklahoma who had 451 yards 4.7 yards of carry um just a really really solid um Recruit now. This is back in in 2017, so he's a little bit older. But at the time, he was the number four all-purpose back. Rob and um, lost his spot uh, to Seth McGowan and then um, uh, Stevenson, who ended up just like balling out at, at Oklahoma. But uh, a pretty solid pull if, if you're a Utah fan, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, you even even if you're getting the the guys that didn't make it at, at, at Oklahoma, like that's that's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> like that, you can still be a very good player and not get a lot of snaps at Oklahoma. Um, so, yeah, I think this, this is a good get for them and, uh, and definitely a position of need where they're going to need some experience coming in.
0: They also were able to pull in another four-star uh, running back out of uh, out of the South, and that was Chris Curry, a four-star running back out of LSU. He was there for three seasons. He actually started, I'm not sure if you if you remember this, but he started the playoff game, uh, the first LSU game, when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was out. He had 16 carries, 89 yards. So um, I, I like that. I like that, the fact that they were able to bring in some older backs too that should be able to um, hopefully do some stuff behind that line.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the line was a little better than they were last year, but I I still think that they, they really do need a dynamic back. Um, you know, and Jordan looked like that. I mean, but to, to, to kind of help carry the load, um, you know, for them.
0: It'll be weird. Like every year it's some random running back that ends up popping up. Like, you know, I know we were looking at the depth chart and I really liked Brumfield. I thought he was going to be the one that was going to pop up. And then, um, a, a few years ago, um, Oh, gosh, I forget. Anyway, like almost every year, it's it's one guy you think it's going to be, and then it's, it's the other one that ends up popping up and doing really well, like Zach Moss. Um, he might have been the one guy where everybody was like, yeah, it's going to be Zach Moss. But anyway, uh, a really solid history at, at Utah being able to develop running back talent. We'll see if these two guys are able to pop in. But, Rob, really – really the question here was that at quarterback you had Jake Bentley enter back into the transfer pool from South Carolina to South Alabama now um he's, so he's leaving Utah to go to South Alabama and um wasn't really impressed with the quarterback play uh overall and it seems like Whittingham wasn't either we got two really big transfers here
1: yeah i I, I think that there's they're taking on these two transfers I think you're kind of saying that it's uh it's gonna you know be a wide open competition all over again. Um, you know, at QB and I, I, I think that they, you know, they, they had a really small sample, um, you know, with the, the player out of Texas, um, you know, before he got injured. Um, but I, you know, I think it's, you know, I think that they're going to go in all out again and, and, you know, have a, a a wide open competition bringing on players like this.
0: Yeah. Charlie Brewer from uh, Baylor, um. That one really jumped out at me because Charlie Brewer wasn't like a cast-off from Baylor. He started at Baylor. He started this year. He started the previous year. Um, in 2020, he was 61.7% uh, completion rate, 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. a uh, in 2019, 3,100 yards, 21, intercep- uh, 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Um, you know, he's somebody that continuously popped up as like, you know, like a like a legitimately good quarterback um, in, in an offense uh, that that was pretty good at Baylor. Yeah, I mean, a little they, different they, this they, year. I should, I should say yeah. a little different this year. <laughs> but under mean, rule, were, that, that Baylor
1: team was was really defense first. You know, the the offense kind of lagged a bit behind, Um, and, and they really, I think, really struggled this year. And and what I think a lot of Baylor fans hoped was going to be a step forward, and you know, they end up firing the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, Brewer leaves, you know, like they're, they're, they're really starting back and, uh, square one, I think offensively in Waco, um, you know, Brewers, is like, I mean, he, he doesn't have a big arm. Um, you know, I, but I think if he can, you know, really, uh, you know, I, I don't think you have to have a big arm, um, you know, in Ludwig's system, you know, if you can just make the right reads and make the right decisions, I think you can do a lot.
0: And then challenging him is uh, LaQuinton Jackson, who was the number three dual threat quarterback in the country in 2020, uh, the number 46 overall player, period, uh, last year. He was a Texas commit that ended up transferring over to Utah. So two really intriguing pieces. It seems like that's been the, <laughs> the rule at uh, Utah is bringing in two guys and really making them go head to head. So um, another pickup, a different style than Charlie Brewer for sure, um, but another person that comes in with a lot of pedigree.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, the you know, this is a good pickup for them. I, I think that, you know, it, it's nice to, like, and they may like having a, a dual threat. I think that that could really work. I think Rising, you know, definitely opens things up with his legs, too, if he's healthy. Um, You know, it's, and, and in Ludwig's offense, you know, he definitely knows how to use a dual threat, you know, quarterback. So I, it's something to keep an eye on
0: couple other players that they lost along the way so uh, again we mentioned Jake Bentley we mentioned the running back so Jalen Dixon uh, starting wide receiver for a couple games there at Utah he departs defensive end Maffy Hunt who walked on after he was at uh, Michigan State but uh, didn't get much playing time Peter Tonga the the big defensive end ends up leading Um, Sione Lund who was the suspended Stanford linebacker that I was kind of excited about but never really saw the field Bronson Boyd who was a defensive back and then Ben Lennon the starting punter I thought was uh, interesting. Uh, any thoughts on any of those guys, Rob?
1: No, I mean, uh, I mean, the name that jumped off, to, jumped out to me when I looked at it was I mean, Tonga. You know, he, he was a guy that you, you know, you felt like saw the field at least a decent amount. But you know, they—I don't think that these losses are really crushing for Utah.
0: Yeah, and always seems like they figure out what to do with the linebacking position. So and have been recruiting yeah. better, um, just overall, like all across. Uh, across all positions so it'll be interesting to see who um continues that and again Loon didn't start uh, or play for them was suspended before the season started so um And and it seemed like they didn't, you know, like, obviously the defense was starting to put itself together and it was a weird year, but um, didn't seem like that was as big of a blow as it it could have been. He was a previously a four-star player before he committed to Palo Alto initially. Uh, Let's move on to Colorado because uh, they got some interesting players here. TJ Shrout, the three-star Tennessee transfer. He was a quarterback that hasn't seen a lot of time here, Rob. Uh, 24-42 career, 57% completion rate, 315 yards, four touchdowns three interceptions he did play a little bit I think this year he filled in uh it's just th- that whole Tennessee program the quarterback position a little bit of a have you know, Jared uh, Guartano go over to Washington State so I don't know what's in the water there in uh in Tennessee but uh, what do you think about the transfer I mean, I guess, like the
1: whole program's transferred out right I mean like, <laughs> it's gonna be it just feels like it's gonna be a full full rebuild job uh in Knoxville uh Dang.
0: I don't know I mean I was gonna say who do they hire have they announced a hire yet
1: no, I don't think they have yet. Oh, okay. um, I mean, I think you're at a, you know, I, I, and I don't know what to make of Shroud. I mean, I, I don't think we, we've saw it. We, we certainly haven't seen much of a play. Um, you, know, I, uh, you know, I'm I, know, interested to see, because I, I, I think that they've, they've really had their struggles, you know, at the QB position, you know, and, and trying to find, I mean, I, I think that they not only need uh, a starter, I think that they need to build out the depth as well. Um, so he's he certainly it doesn't hurt to add him in. i am I don't know what to make of him, you know, we'll see it. We'll see what we hear out of spring,
0: yeah. I really like that true freshman that they um that they brought in. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to um, make a little bit of a push. But I agree with you. I think the the depth right now is is a bit of an issue. But I think one of the problems too was like depth was an issue. and then and, and it remained an issue. even with noyer there, he was fine. I mean, I think he exceeded expectations. but, you know, like he wasn't blowing the doors off of anybody, and if that's your starting quarterback, holy goodness! Like, um, I, I just feel like you kind of need a stronger base uh, there, even even with a true freshman. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, this one didn't really overwhelm me too much. I've kind of thought, well, you know, another body there, but um, man, I'd really like Colorado to get a really solid quarterback so they can keep that offense going. Um, you know, Robert Barnes was a four-star uh, safety that came in he was the number 12 safety in 2017 uh, nine tackles in 2020 54 uh, the previous year so he had some bright spots at Oklahoma so um, you know one of the things that they're gonna need to do is bring in um, uh, more bodies on defense uh, and uh, here's a good start
1: yeah absolutely I mean I think this is a good this is a good ad for them um, certainly you know even if you end up moving them down to, to linebacker I think that there's certainly room in Uh, the way Colorado has played um, for somebody with some wheels at linebacker.
0: So a couple other players, uh, yeah, and, and particularly, so they lose to Ron Rakesaw, um, who was a cornerback, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly. I'm pretty sure I got that one. Um, they, they lose another safety, so a couple other names here. Uh, Tyler Lytle uh, goes to the Massholes, the Massholes over at uh, UMass. He didn't play much. Um, hope that he is able to lift that program out of the dregs of society right now. It's been a pretty rough time if you're a, a UMass fan. Jared Mangum ends up uh, transferring. I kind of liked him, Rob. I, I thought that, that, that yeah. uh, two. Two, you know, uh, the, the two-headed dragon they had before uh, Broussard just took over the world was kind of impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, and, uh, you know, you mentioned you really liked him coming into the season, too. And I think you're right. I think you did a good job. Um, you know, Broussard ended up really taking over the job. So, I mean, if you're if your Manga, might get moving on because you felt like you played well and you, you definitely have something to, to offer.
0: Yeah. And this year when you can move without penalty, I mean, you know, like why not? Like obviously he's going to take a step back in playing time because Broussard was uh, you know, (laughs) he-man back there. So, um, you know, smoke him if you got him, if you're able to leave. Um, The one thing that stood out for me here, Katie Nixon, Rob, transferred to USC. What are they going to do with him there?
1: Uh, They're going to throw him the football. (laughs) I mean, mean, the rich get richer, right? I mean, like he, uh, it's, it's a, it's a good fit. I mean, if you're Katie Nixon, I mean, I wouldn't want to necessarily be sitting around waiting to figure out uh, who Colorado figures out in their QB room. You you know, you'd much rather go to USC, you know, with, with the talent that he certainly has.
0: Yeah. And Nixon obviously very talented. So it wasn't knocking him. It was more just uh you know, and actually it makes sense when we were talking about USC this year, the depth behind now they had awesome wide receivers. They had the best wide receiving core in the conference, but behind them, wasn't a whole lot. You had Gary Bryant, um, you know, like uh, London and stuff. But um, I, I think there there is room for Nixon if he's able to um, just show what he's been able to do at Colorado. So that will be an intriguing piece to see what he's able to do uh, as a wide receiver. Uh, Jason Harris, the four star defensive end that committed to Colorado, ends up going and joining his brother at Arizona. I think this was more, um, you know, and and, and congr- like. I thought Colorado did a really good job recruiting Harris. Um, Harris's mom and dad went to Arizona. His brother plays for Arizona, and the just coaching staff was so incompetent <laughs> that he decided not to commit there. Um, now with the new cha- uh, coaching staff, he ends up joining his brother uh, on the defensive line there. But I think the one thing too is Akeel Jones, the linebacker there, started um, and had a really productive uh, career for the most part at Colorado. He departs, and um, it'd be interesting to see what this uh, what this Colorado defense is next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Harris loss. I mean, that one stings because he was one of the the gets really for that uh, you know Mel Tucker recruiting class, um, you know, and stuck with Colorado. So I I do think that one stings a little bit uh, you know for Colorado. I think that you know he was one of the guys that they looked at and they felt like they had some momentum in recruiting, um, you know, going and uh, yeah. But the the rest of them I don't think are you know there's not any real backbreakers among their transfers out of. I mean, like losing a player like Nixon. And I mean, I guess I should say like Nixon and Mangum hurt the most. You know, the rest of the names are are you know either untapped potential or you know.
0: Meh. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Jones, you know, started all of 2019 basically and had 18 tackles, yeah. five tackles for a loss this year. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see what the pieces are back there. The one thing that was interesting, we were looking at Colorado's defense and um, we thought that the secondary was going to be the weakness, and the secondary was actually pretty good. All things can com- you know considered. except for. Uh, yeah, for for them, and um, you know, to be able to get another safety, even though they lose a corner. Um, anyway, I'm I'm just real. That's one of those units like that. I'm just kind of uh, flagging for 2021 to see what what they are. Was that just COVID because people could run on Colorado, or um, or, or is that a unit which I, I think is going to be more the case? Just a, a pretty solid unit that that can get better over time um, with some players that have developed. So um, you know, just something to keep an eye out for. Uh, anything else we should uh, talk about here this week, Rob?
1: No, I, we've we've covered a lot of ground. There ended up being a lot to talk about. <laughs>
0: I know it's like, uh, you know, I'm doing all these the uh, research on the teams and stuff uh, uh, just to try to make sure that we have enough to talk about. But uh, lo and behold, the news fairy continues to come and will likely continue to come uh, throughout the year. Again, thanks to Nextiva for uh, sponsoring these offseason podcasts, allowing us to kind of uh, continue to talk about them. Uh, keep a lookout for Sharp College Football as we uh, continue to tinker around and, and add new things and uh, talk about new ways uh, to look at the college football season. And uh, we will catch everybody next week.